0: You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, This week's episode is with Christophe Garnier. Christophe is the co-founder and CEO of Upflex. Upflex is a platform that aggregates flexible office locations around the globe and provides that to end users who want to provide their employees with a uh, easy way to access any space that helps them work uh, their best work. Uh, Christophe is a serial entrepreneur. He's a super interesting guy lives in sunny San Diego and has raised a lot of money to solve this problem that follows the themes of a lot of the episodes that we've had on this on this topic which is what does the future of the office look like? What does the future of the office building look like and how does Flex uh, working space uh, factor into that? I think uh, his perspective is is very prescient and has a lot of relevance uh, not only for uh, tenants but for brokers and also for landlords. so tune in, enjoy. Thanks again. Hey, Christoph, welcome to the show. We appreciate you being a guest. Hope everything's going well.
1: Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: it's a pleasure. Cool. Well, uh, why don't you introduce yourself for the uh, for the audience here?
1: Yeah, of course. Hi, uh, everybody. I'm Christoph. I'm the uh, co-founder and CEO at Upflex. Uh, based in uh, I'm based in San, sunny San Diego, and um, yeah, I'm uh, excited to tell you more about what we do and and have a chat with you, Matt.
0: Cool. Um, do you have a background in commercial real estate or just leasing in general? What, what, t- talk to talk to us a little bit about how you got here.
1: No, actually, uh, actually, I, I, it's funny, huh? but uh, I do not come from from Commercial real estate at all, um, the way Upflex was born is throughout the evolution of of, uh, of the company and by iterating our model and 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 we we le- we landed uh, being a property company, but we were actually created as a as an H R tech business. Um, but um, you know, I'm more of a tech founder. Actually, I moved from Europe in 1989 and, and landed in San Francisco where I spent six years and, uh, I, I've been working for multiple tech companies, um, uh, before, um, moving to New York in 2005. And, uh, where I started my first tech business in, uh, mobile content. And then from mobile content, I created, a, a, an e-commerce company. Um, and then, um, from e-commerce, I created a coworking business, Um uh, and that this is by operating that that, that co-working business that uh, we 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 kind of identified an opportunity uh, and created a flex, which as I just mentioned was more of a an HR uh, tech positioning initially. And so you know we we identified that you know there was no uh, aggregator of, of co-working that was going after the B two B market at the time. Um, and in two thousand and eighteen, that's what me and my co-founder Ginger um, decided to pursue. And we initially created an employee benefit. We created an employee benefit. There is a company called GymPass that we looked up to yeah. very much. Uh, that has been creating a very uh, a, a very interesting business, very scalable business about uh, around. Um, creating an employee benefit for gyms. And so we wanted to do the same thing for co-working. Enabling employees to be able to work from anywhere by leveraging one unique app, one unique membership paid for by the employer. And that's what we did. That's how that's what we launched initially. And after um after uh, you know a couple of years, two, three years running that business, that was the, the, the positioning of the business before COVID and then COVID you know showed up and and we lost everything we lost all our customers and what was, because that, what the, was that
0: like what was that like
1: it, it was terrifying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we had you know we had uh actually uh, we had the traction we needed we had uh, uh, three dozen customers and and monthly recurring revenue and we lost it all um, and um, and because the demand was completely dead, we turned to the supply. the supply was two thousand co-working partners that were also you know suffering because every every everyone was living the boat everyone was all their customers were leaving those spaces and and we we came up with this thing called safe spaces which is a marketing stunt which is a a, a a um i was reading the new york times uh, during the pandemic and I, I i saw that very interesting article about how hotels were coming up with those um cleaning and, and, and safety measures and 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 um, um, we decided to pick that up and uh, to create safe spaces and and that endeavor allowed us to actually really rally a lot of the co-working brands we didn't have yet the big ones the big ones that didn't need us before COVID. and once we created that 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 you know that stamp of um quality and and um and security uh we we actually hired an an ex-cdc epidemiologist to help us put together the standards and all the space, and we shopped around to all the coworking brands around the world, and we grew the network during the pandemic thanks to that safe space stamp of safety and, and clean and cleaning uh, to fifty five hundred spaces, and um, we created a lot of noise around it. We yeah. created a lot of noise around it, a lot of PR, and a very unexpected audience responded to it. The Basically the commercial real estate brokers. The Colliers and the JLLs and the Cushman's of the world started knocking on our door and say, hey, what you're doing here by creating this very large global network is going to be really interesting to our own customers, the enterprise employers audience. Yeah. Um, and so we really wanna we we really wanna get together and, and figure out figure out a way to to work together. And so that's what we did. And, and we learned about that commercial real estate industry um, fast, as fast as we could. That's also why we brought in uh, Vincent, a lot of here, our chief strategy officer, who was CEO of JLL in Europe for for many, many years. And um, and that was the beginning of a transformation from a nature tech company that was selling to you know, forward thinking, Startup companies into a prop tech company sending to mid cap to uh, large enterprise businesses.
0: Yep. With the supply also coming in from probably even more co working locations now, I would imagine. So it's interesting yeah. how you kind of went somewhat full circle back to the end user, right? You started with this idea that these businesses want to provide this benefit to their their employees. Yeah but it kind of took a global pandemic and the commercial real estate broker network to say, Hey, I'm always looking to add value to my customers too. I see what you're doing here. Right. Hopefully some of them were trying to figure out themselves. How do we make it out of this pandemic where leasing's completely, you know, dead. I'm looking at the future of my business. I know more of my customers are going to start asking me for more flexible solutions. And how can I, bring solutions to them and that brought you right back into providing benefit to the enterprise user. That's right. And what you mentioned earlier was like you, you learned and you learned a lot fast. So what are the, some of the things that you learned being, you know, a relative outsider to the commercial real estate space, not only about brokers, but about how you see kind of the the dynamic shifting um, from a decision-making standpoint in on, on the enterprise end user side.
1: Yeah. So we, we we learned quite a few things in, in, in many different aspects of the business. We we learned about uh the importance of those brokerage companies in the ecosystem. Um we learned about you know um about their role and how they are um inherent to the the landscape of commercial real estate and how much if we were able to work with them, how much faster we could learn because, you know, we needed to learn. We needed to learn about the industry and we needed to collaborate with some of the best uh, uh, players in this industry in order to gain um, rapid credibility. We were a young company, right? And again, not coming from commercial real estate. and, And so we... We decided that we needed to invest uh, uh, in in collaborating with with those great brokerage firms in order to be um, worth being recommend you know being recommended. Yep. Yep. And so we invested in in many different types of resources, including obviously human capital, but also technology. And um, our platform was not you know. Um, compliant for many different things that we need compliancy in order to be an approved vendor of Collier, an approved vendor of GLN, approved vendor, and so um, we had to make those investments. Uh, so we understood, you know, we learned about all those different aspects. Um, it's a relationship-based business, also, and so bringing people that new people in this industry was also crucial. So. We, um, we invested in many different aspects. Um, we also learned that by working with those firms comes a a certain type of customers, customers that, um, also needed, you know, we needed education into the industry as a whole. They needed in the education on, you know, how to tackle the problem with what technology and data. And so we became the educators on that side, right? Um, and so we, we, we had to also invest tremendous amount of, of, of resources in creating the right materials and the right processes and the right positioning for ourselves, not telling the world that we have answers for everything, but telling the world that we have the tools to figure it out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? To be an enabler through the technology, of figuring out what is going to be key for your business, because all businesses, by the way, are all very different. Uh, they're all different because the human capital of every single company is unique, and the way people behave and their you know social habits and work habits are you know uh, different from one another. And so, um, even if the macroeconomics are you know, descriptive from a geography to another. Actually, you know, where we're seeing some macro uh, economics and, and macro behavior clearly defined and clearly you know uh, differentiated between EMEA and the US. You know, it's very interesting. Um, but um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to each company individually, they are extremely different. Yeah. So yeah. um, I think we, our, our technology comes to life when, uh, when we're able to actually leverage all the tools that we have in order to make sure that we can, you know, um, show what the, you know, what the behavior looks like, the data looks like, you know, to make better decisions.
0: Yeah. And I think your point about the broker being kind of a crucial part of that process is absolutely. an important one.
1: Oh, absolutely. The last, absolutely. The,
0: last, the last thing you want to do is tell them you have all the answers I think one of the misconceptions about the prop tech space is that all of these businesses that are emerging are trying to figure out a way to disintermediate that ecosystem, which is essential because you're talking about all this data that you're gathering down to the micro level of an individual company. They want to know, how do I make this decision? Give me all the data and guide me through this process, right? So without an advisor, that's going to be very hard to do. Like, it's very hard to look back ten years ago to see some of these aggregators of space saying, "Hey, yeah, just like lease space off this, off this uh, database that I've created," there's always the need for somebody to advise them through that. Um, especially now, I would imagine, like the decisions must be even harder to make.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 to go back to your point, um, this intermediation of those workers has never been a part of the plan when it comes to us at the flags. We've seen, we've seen players trying to do that. The reality is that's not really not a good idea. Um, <laughs> personally, I don't think. Um, we have so much to learn from uh, the brokerage firms and we have to, so much to, to win and earn by collaborating with them given their scale. And it's been actually a great and collaborative process. I mean, it's not, a, it's not an easy process. It's a painful process. Those are big, some are very, very big companies, right? Um, but when it works, it's um, measurable. Yeah. When it works, it's very measurable, yeah.
0: Yeah, especially when you get in the, the flow of, of transactions at, at the top end of the market. So where, talk a little bit about the product itself. What does a flux do?
1: What we do is split in, in you know, three Um, three major components. The first one is this large network, um, this very large network uh, of co-working and serviced offices and flex offices across the world. We have 10,000 locations on the network now. We are aggregating 750 brands of serviced office across 85 countries in over a thousand cities around the world so that's the first component it's the network the second component is the technology um, it's a technology um, mostly related to booking management and asset management and and um, um, a lot of data and analytics uh, related to the consumption of those uh, of those workspaces we can we are leveraging our technology now not only to be able to manage uh, your flex workspace uh, in the network book uh, this workspace and measure measure you know the the consumption and the efficiency of your of your spending within within the network but we also allow for our customers to actually put their own assets also on the technology which allows for a unification of all the various workspaces under one platform whether this is your list space whether this is a, pay, a space you you own whether this is a full-time office at one of the co-working spaces or whether it's on demand everything under the same platform and with the ability to track down usage across all classes of spaces and have you know your hands on uh, on the data holistically Mm-hmm. across all all again all classes of spaces on on the same dashboard so that's the second piece the tec- the, the technology and and the third piece is basically the the api driven underlying platform that we have that allows for you know um plugging over api p- pretty much anything that that is uh, inherent to functions of the, of the platform or both on the supply on the demand on each generation um, and so, on supply, you know, luckily we graduated from being that business that was connecting to old coworking spaces across the world and telling them, "Hey, get on our platform, open an account, put your available inventory. You can update it every month uh, based on sell cycles, or usually monthly, um, on, on coworking or less." Um, now we're actually plugging over API all the sources of data all the core working management softwares, uh, office management softwares. And we have a couple of hundred to go, if if not more. We're investing heavily on that uh, because live, inve- live inventory means great experience. And so experience is top priority, number one. Um, the second aspect of this API-driven platform we're building is also... Uh, obviously, the, the the demand and demand comes twofold um, in our mind when it comes to uh, to APIs. The one is the relationship we have the brokers that, that we're taking to the next level by creating API integrations with those, with those brokers who feed the clients, right? Uh, and also the white label uh, versions of our tech stack. So, white label and APIs on the demand side. Today, today it's the brokers, but we have other targets. Um, and 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 so that's that's a very important side uh, of our uh, API strategy. And then you know once you close the deal, you need to onboard all those employees, right? And so API integrations with all the HR systems is also something that we have started um, the um, the workdays and the bamboos and the Zenefits of the world in order to make sure that you know once we again once we or closing a deal with a large employer, we can easily onboard and, and, and automate uh, onboarding uh, seamlessly uh, with with any employer uh, via any of those HR system integration. So those are the three main components of of, of OFLEX business. The network, yeah. technology, and our APIs.
0: Uh, talk to me a little bit, I guess, about like what's the five-year from now what the vision is but if i'm a decision maker at a corporate enterprise and i'm looking to deploy something like this you're telling me that i could know at any given time how well my space is being utilized across my co-working flex office spaces my existing leases that i have properties that i own that's connected to my hr system so it's a seamless booking experience. I can onboard these employees. I know where they are. I know how well they're using the space analytics tools to help me understand where I should up flex or down flex my portfolio. Um, where does where, like, where, what's your vision, I guess, for that director of corporate real estate for the fortune 500 company in, in five years, if, if, if we're going towards a world where there needs to be more flexibility, is yeah, it, it, how how often is that person logging into your system and, and making decisions, and how does that change the role of that that function within within a within a company?
1: Well, there's going to be different stages for the you know the the evolution we want to see for for a platform, for a product, for a company first we we really need all this data connected right which is why the api aspect of the business is the third aspect it's considerably new as an aspect even though we are investing heavily into it it's going to take time but we do want to become the Amadeus who saw the saber you know in the travel industry for the flex for the flex work generation we want to have access to all this data mm-hmm. we want to make sure that Employee experience is going to be the best. We want to make sure that we are at the point of a reference when it comes to having access to the inventory data and being able to uh, make that available inventory to any employee. So that's why all those, you know, all those APIs are very important. And and so the first division is to have access all the, uh, 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 to all this data. It's going to take some time. It's going to take yep. a couple of years. And eventually, um, we'd love for you know having that the ability to plug that to any tool that may be, you know, that may be able to leverage uh, all this data in order to improve its own uh, products and services. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, we're thinking about travel, you book your flight, you book your car, you could book a workspace tomorrow, maybe. And, and I want to make sure that we are able to provide infrastructure behind that button, you know, for example. But yeah. there are many, many HR companies that may want to be building their own um, their own flexible flexible employee benefit. We want to be able to power that too mm-hmm. for any HR company. Um, so we see this business on the data side, on the data aggregation side. We see it as you know Saber and Amadeus, as I mentioned before. But in terms of distribution, eventually. Um, we see ourselves more as Stripe, and um, even if today we do go after customers, and we'll continue going after customers ourselves, or or in 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 um, in association, in in partnership with the the brokerage firms, um, we eventually really would like to um, expand our business as an API driven business in terms of like pure distribution A to Z, and being able to plug into demand engines that can that can really take advantage of our API um, and and all that data to actually provide their own audiences with our entire stack of data that comes from you know both supply and and um, and and demand apis for the distribution of their own users um, we will be moving towards becoming a more a more integrated type of product, rather than being, um, you know, than than having an, an army of salespeople. Does that make right. sense?
0: That makes a lot of sense. So we use Brex as an example at our at our company to
1: mm-hmm. travel, mm-hmm. book
0: hotels, book whatever when it comes to yeah. um, travel. So in your world, I could log into Brex as an employee of Occupier, book my flight, book my hotel, book my rental car. Yep. But also book my workspace. As an example, so that would be your API feeding your thousands of locations into that system so that I'm able to understand where my workplace is going to be when I travel. That's just like one example. The other could be if I'm the employer, if I'm the head of HR, I want to provide that service to my employees through an HR portal or whatever, whether you're using a PEO or you have a workday or something like that. That's that's the concept is that wherever that demand is for your supply side, you're able to surface that information. That's Um, right. Exactly. That's right. I think it makes a ton of sense. I mean, when I travel now, I mean, we're a WeWork member, so I have the ability to just find a WeWork and they have a large enough network that I'm not necessarily always lacking for a space to work, but there are certainly times where you're, like, you know, I would love to know that I'm going to be able to go to this location when I'm in mm-hmm. San Diego, for example, for three days and be able to book that on my trip ahead of time. Uh, that's
1: why WeWork has invested into our company and and that's the integration that we're building with them, right? Yep. We are Not only we are bringing the WeWork locations and, and we're the exclusive aggregator to have WeWork locations on our network, um, but we are also reciprocally Creating a new API integration that will allow for WeWork to onboard on their app locations of flex partners they choose to be uh, to uh, the quality and 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 and, re- and meeting the requirements that WeWork may have for its members. Yeah, and so that means expanding the network of WeWork for all WeWork members.
0: Yeah, what's your prediction about how many? More coworking providers are going to pop up over the next call of five years. It it sounds like Flex Office is just going to get bigger.
1: I mean that's the, that's what the predictions are. I mean I'm no, um, um, I'm not the right source of data, uh, uh, but from what I read, from what I see, and from uh, based on the adoption that we see, and, and the adoption is different. Uh, as I mentioned uh places to another in in Europe right now the the adoption of flex is absolutely absolutely phenomenal much faster than here in the U.S. I think I think it will it will take off uh faster here um as we as we continue on going back to the office flex is just easier and and more controllable and more manageable than anything else so definitely a lot of investments being done in Asia, in Europe, in order to expand Flex uh, brands, opening more locations, and I definitely expect this to continue to happen for, you know, the next years, next decades. To come yeah, before. yeah, I,
0: I agree. Because you have been talking to, I mean, one final question before we start wrapping up: Do you ever talk to actual landlords about potentially using your product? Because if if I mean that's the biggest source of inventory on the planet, right? The actual space yeah. that is owned by commercial real estate owners who are le- trying to lease space, and obviously the the headlines are not that kind to them right now in terms of yeah. at least you know the tech tech layoffs impacting massive slugs of sublease space coming on the market. Um, is that a path that you would ever consider going down? We are already, cool.
1: already talking to landlords. Um, we already have a couple um, here and there uh, that we are onboarding onto the platform. We are not a co-working aggregator; we are a flex workspace aggregator, mm-hmm. and that is inclusive of anything that is um, that is a you know a flex office. Now landlords have they are trying they are starting to understand that they have to adapt mm-hmm. to new demand. The new demand is flex. And if they want to, um, you know, if they want to stay ahead of the game, uh, they're going to, um, to have uh, to adapt to that. Many landlords are already creating yeah. their own, you know, brand, flex brands and, and creating more flexibility in their deals and, and, and creating 24, 24, 36 months um, uh, kind of license agreements. So things are changing on the landlord side and, uh, we are definitely, uh, we're definitely starting to work with them. We're going to, we're, we're going to work with them more. Cool.
0: All right. Well, this has been pretty fascinating. I think you, you've got, you're right in the mix of all of it and you're in, it sounds like perfect timing in terms of how this market is shifting. So
1: yeah, that uh, no, we've been lucky. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, cool. Well, let's do our fast five questions here. You got one okay. minute to answer. You, you can go as, um, as personal or as high level as you want with some of these answers. Yeah. Um, I'm going to yeah. predict, I know the answer to this first one, but do you prefer the summer or the winter?
1: Uh, I'm definitely more of a summer guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I love the mountain. Though. I love the mountain. I love the mountain, but um, definitely more of a beach and ocean person.
0: Cool. I was, I was guessing based on the picture behind your head there, that is a beach. So <laughs> kind of gave it away. Um, uh, what's your, what's your number one hobby?
1: Surf. I surf a lot, uh, as much as I can, three weeks, three times a week at least. Uh, so that would be uh, my number one. Definitely.
0: Awesome. Um, maybe this is a related question as well, but if you could travel anywhere, in the world right now, if someone just said, you got to go tomorrow, where would you go?
1: Um, Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. I think I'd go to Southeast Asia somewhere.
0: Yeah. Bring the surfboard. Yeah. Find some waves. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, Seasonal question here. Thanksgiving coming up. What's your favorite dish?
1: My favorite dish. Hmm. Um, I think my favorite dish is actually a great ribeye with creamed spinach. Nice. <laughs> Easy. Not a turkey guy? Black and blue, however.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. I like yeah? that way as well. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah we, we should have an episode where we just talk about eating steak because I think that would probably <laughs> attract a bigger audience. There, you go. there we go. <laughs> uh, last question, a standard... Um, if uh, if if you could recommend any one or two people to join us on this show, who would you who would you put out there?
1: I would recommend. Um, oh, there is many people I could recommend. I could recommend Michael Beckerman, the CEO of Sierra Tech, wonderful guy, very knowledgeable about the space. I could recommend my partner Vincent. Um, um, Lot of here was our chief strategy officer. I could recommend um very smart guy works for Saville. His name is Patrick McGrath. He's also uh, a friend very, very uh, knowledgeable about the space. So and my co-founder, Ginger, she's fantastic. She's um different discussion, she's she's super qualified in terms of you know product and technology, she has a vision for employee experience, she's a phenomenal person too
0: cool well there's four solid ones that there you go. i go okay would agree with all of them um well Christoph, thanks for joining the show christophe garnier co-founder ceo of upflex it's been a pleasure man i'll be rooting for your success and can't wait to see the whole world logging into upflex to log their flex office i think it's going to happen someday
1: thank you i appreciate it thank you for your time
0: all right man we'll talk Cheers. to you